0: Happy Easter from Wyatt the Easter Wolf, and more adventures with the kid Space Force. Stay tuned. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab. I'm Professor Theo. Welcome to the lab. I'm broadcasting from the campus... Of splendid university in beautiful, extraordinary, downtown, splendid West Virginia, home to some of the most delightful, wondrous, strange children in all the land. April is here, and with it, spring showers have moved in. April Allergies are in full swing, too. And Easter is right around the corner. Happy Easter to you all. I'm going to start with an Easter tale this week. The second half of our program will be devoted to the Kid Space Force, the second part of our Kid Space Force trilogy. But first... Happy Easter. From Wyatt the Easter Wolf. The Easter Bunny is all set, ready to go. But one year, that was not the case. Did I ever tell you the time about the year the Easter Bunny was not feeling well and could not fulfill her egg delivery duties? Her allergies always acted up in April, but this year it was so bad she could barely get out of bed. She needed some help, hippity-hoppity-egg-delivering. She looked for someone smart, and fast, and well-traveled, and it had to be someone she could trust. Surely you're joking. You don't really want me to fill in for you. The big bad wolf laughed off the prospect. No way, he exclaimed, rejecting the Easter Bunny's request. You just have to, Big Bad Wolf, the Easter Bunny pleaded through itchy, red, watery eyes. She worked to convince the wolf to help. The Big Bad Wolf listened and was intrigued. He had so long now sheltered himself from the rest of the world, hurt by the slander of bedtime story after bedtime story that painted him as an evil, aggressive brute, Most wolves are actually not very aggressive. And this particular wolf was quite friendly, agreeable. He was very smart, too, which is why the Easter Bunny wanted him for the job. After some convincing, the wolf, whose real name is Wyatt, by the way, agreed to step in and play the part of the Easter Bunny. When the big day came, the big bad, um, Wyatt, appeared... At the Easter Bunny's door, the Easter Bunny was surprised to see that Wyatt had not only showed up ready to deliver eggs, but he had also dressed up as a bunny. The Easter Bunny laughed. The costume really wasn't necessary, she said, and then sneezed. Oh, great. Now I have to go home and change. The wolf was clearly perturbed, though I think his feelings were just a little bit hurt. Wyatt, the Easter wolf, excelled in his task. Indeed, all eggs were delivered in time that Easter day. Wyatt did accidentally scare a youngster or two and a few parents, all used to seeing an adorable bunny rabbit deliver their Easter goodies. You can see how that may have come as a bit of a shock. What, I'm not adorable? barked Wyatt. Thanks a lot. Another story turns on me. The Easter Bunny, whose sniffles had thankfully run their course, was so appreciative of what Wyatt the Easter Wolf had done. You saved Easter, Wyatt. How will I ever repay you? The Easter Bunny asked. You already have. Wyatt replied, You believed in me. You encouraged me. And I ate about a hundred of your chocolate eggs. By the way sorry not sorry all can rest easy this easter knowing that one way or another those easter baskets are on their way thanks to the easter bunny or who knows maybe wyatt the easter wolf i do hope the kids space force chris natalie and marcia make it back home in time for easter Last week, I introduced you to part one of our current Kid Space Force trilogy, one that saw our young heroes lured all the way to Area 51, surrounded by men in black and given a top-secret mission. One, they could not refuse. Time to continue their tale. Kid Space Force, part five. A trip to Ceres. The men in black had made the Kids Space Force an offer they couldn't refuse after being tricked by their alien friend. Chris, Natalie, and Marsha, the Kids Space Force trio, had found themselves in the middle of a crate-filled warehouse in Area 51, surrounded by men in black. An intimidating Agent Hanks spoke, Your mission should you choose to accept it, and really, even if you don't choose to accept it, is to travel to the dwarf planet Ceres. Ceres? Chris questioned. It's in the asteroid belt, Natalie clarified. Yeah, Marcia backed up, Natalie, as always. I know that. Don't you think I know that? Chris was defensive, because he didn't really know that. Ceres was part of our solar system's asteroid belt. Agent Hanks, dressed all in black, continued, explaining the Kid Space Force mission in detail. The trio were ordered to travel to Ceres, land safely at a specific set of coordinates on the dwarf planet's southern hemisphere, and then hunt and extract a rare and mysterious mineral. It's called the Ceres Core, for it only exists on Ceres, Agent Hanks explained. So it's very rare and extremely valuable. Don't mess this up. The kid's space force blasted off on a mission to Ceres to find and mine this priceless and mysterious Ceres mineral. I don't like this one bit, Natalie vented. Yeah, I don't either, Marcia backed up her friend. A defeated, Chris added. I don't think we have any choice. We do this for the men in black or they'll make us disappear. I've seen movies. I've read books. I know what they do. Getting to Ceres was no easy matter. The asteroid field is a dangerous place to navigate a rocket ship, especially one made almost entirely of cardboard and duct tape. The kids' space force flew around one asteroid as another zoomed right at them. They ducked under one giant rock and over another. At times, the threesome was sure they'd be crushed to bits. And a few small rocks did make contact, but Chris was an expert pilot. He was able to steer them to safety. That's it, Natalie pointed out the window. Yeah, Marcia did the same. I'm going in for a landing, Chris added. They landed hard on the dwarf planet's rocky surface. Okay, team, what do we know about Ceres? Chris asked the girls. Natalie and Marcia had been researching for much of the trip. Natalie began. It's the largest object in the asteroid belt, located between Mars and Jupiter. Marcia added, Yeah, and it was named for the Roman goddess of corn and harvests. Cereal is named after the same goddess. Mm. Cereal. Chris chipped in. One other thing, Natalie continued. A lot of scientists believe Ceres might be able to support life because it has the one thing that most planets or dwarf planets don't. Marsha guessed. Chocolate? I'll say it's chocolate. No, Marsha. Chris guessed next. I hope it's cereal because now I really want cereal. Water. Natalie answered her own question. Water. The kid's space force explored and searched far and wide for hours, but could not find anything out of the ordinary. He said we would know it, this Ceres core, from its bluish glow, remember? Chris insisted. Both girls responded affirmatively. Suddenly Natalie's jaw dropped. Look, she pointed to a cave in the distance some 100 yards away look marcia repeated a bluish glow chris added excitedly sure enough this mysterious cave in the distance was glowing blue from a hundred yards away and pulsated even more vividly as chris natalie and marcia approached the kid space force trio entered the cave and looked around they traveled toward the sound of running water exploring cautiously at every inch of the cave as they moved methodically through it. Suddenly, it happened. It was so beautiful and bright that our three heroes were completely awestruck and even speechless. And that's something that doesn't happen often with these three. They had obviously found the series core they had come for. It was everywhere, even more than they'd be able to haul. It will take four or five trips to get all this back to Area 51, Chris said, as Natalie and Marsha pulled pickaxes from their bags. We'd better get started, Natalie suggested. Yeah, let's get started, said Marsha. And just as all three were about to start swinging pickaxes and extracting the rare, valuable Ceres core they were surrounded once again. This time it wasn't by a dozen men in black in Area 51 that had Chris, Natalie, and Marcia trapped. It was a dozen alien beings. They all bore a remarkable resemblance to the alien Space Force that the Kid Space Force had befriended on an earlier mission. The little alien that had tapped on Natalie's window The one that had started this whole turn of events looked a bit like these creatures, too. What was that you said about possible life on this planet, Natalie? Chris questioned shakily. Yeah, I I think we can safely confirm that now, a nervous Marsha added. They look angry, Natalie whispered. The aliens indeed looked angry, though only one spoke. The leader of the group of agitated Ceres alien residents stepped forward toward the Kid Space Force crew and spoke. He said, I don't know who you think you are, but you are under arrest for attempted stealing. His alien friends began to chant, Thieves, thieves, thieves. Arrest the thieves. Uh, Wait, we can explain, Natalie pleaded. Thieves, thieves, arrest the thieves. To be continued. What will become of Chris and Natalie and Marsha, our kid Space Force trio? Find out next week. For the third and final installment of this Kid Space Force Trilogy, I sure do hope a happy ending is in our future. I'll have yet another Easter tale for you next week, too, as our Kid Detectives return to action. Jen, Ben, and Red have missed you dearly since they cracked the case of the Ice Cream Bandit. Have a great week, listeners. Be good to each other. Be wild and wonderful and free. Until next week, I'm Professor Theo. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab is written and read by Jonathan Joy. And Levi Joy. I'm Rissy Joy, the proud wife and mother of these two. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell a friend. If you don't, Professor Theo might blast you into outer space. If he could do that type of thing, I mean. Also, please consider supporting this project by making a small monthly pledge at ProfessorTheo.com. You can email our family at TheProfessorTheo at gmail.com or tweet at us at Theo underscore mystery. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.